Previously on Hound Radio's Arch Campbell podcast. It's filling in blanks from an episode of Breaking Bad that was called Better Call Saul in an mm. episode of Better Call Saul called Breaking Bad, um, which, again, <laughs> total sense to me. Just bringing it all back around. The Arch Campbell podcast featuring Arch, Lou Katz, and a cast of thousands begins now. That was our friend Jen Cheney from last time explaining uh, as much as she could about Better Call Saul. And by the way, she has written a uh, terrific piece in Vulture.com on the uh, finale of Better Call Saul. So if you go to Vulture, you can read that. Hi, everybody. I'm Arch Campbell, and this is the podcast that aims to keep you up with the ever-changing world of entertainment. My partner in this enterprise is the great classic radio guru, <laughs> <Yeah>. Lou Katz. <laughs> now now holding court with Lou TV. Too bad you can't see this on the Zoom now. <laughs> That's right. Lou Katz, he's producing and directing from his uh, month's 17-inch uh, table model television. <laughs> and so here we are. And today features two of my favorite films to Vance, and we have a lot to talk about. First, let me welcome WTOP Radio Entertainment Editor, Jason Fraley. Hi, Jason. Hey, thanks for Jason, having me I back. Love the chance to talk to you. And all the way in Los Angeles, the film critic for Observer.com, the correspondent for People Magazine, film professor at Emerson College, uh, and dear friend of mine, DC native, gone Hollywood, Oliver Jones. <laughs> Oliver, great to be here, Art. Good yeah. to see you guys. Thank you so much. So uh, let's jump in first. Better Call Saul has uh, finally concluded. So what we had seven seasons of Breaking Bad and then six more of Better Call Saul. And uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, who would like to, Jason, how about you jump in first? Well, I actually, I mentioned in previous podcasts, I was a huge Breaking Bad fan, but I, right. I am, did not really watch Better Call Saul. So you might have to take it, but no. um, <laughs> I, uh, I watched the first three episodes and loved them. <laughs> and for some reason just fell off it and never, never caught up. But I actually tuned in, I tuned in for the last like 15 minutes the other night and was like, oh my God, this is the same. And it was like going back and forth between black and white and color with the flashbacks. And I was like, all right, I need to. I need to get on board. <laughs> now, you know, as I have explained, I've been confused watching Better Call Saul the whole time. And then they they added a technique where um, after Breaking Bad, all the scenes uh, were in black and white. So if you had a color scene, that was before, uh, before he left uh, Albuquerque. And anything after that was in black and white. So uh, that explains that. Oliver, you're you're. I think what struck me about this whole thing was just how emotional people felt about the ending of not just Better Call Saul, but this whole sort of Breaking Bad storyline that that has. Um, I think people have felt real emotional attachment to. And as you know, Arch, I mean, uh, we're heading into the dog days of August and uh, right. and we don't have real emotional relationships with our uh, media and our entertainment this time. This is kind of more, this is the more one night stand season, right? Uh, where, we see, <laughs> where we see really cheesy, really bad movies that uh -huh. shock and, uh, and, and the fact that people can have such a emotional attachment to a show, you know, I think um, 
We had it earlier in the summer with uh, Stranger Things. I think that's just always such a powerful thing. Um, uh, and so I, I, I didn't watch the show. I watched fans respond to it. Uh, and uh, and that was a really fascinating thing, just how emotionally involved they were. Well, the whole thing for me, and, uh, you know, I don't think we want to give away uh, what happened on the finale, but for me, the whole thing was um, trying to figure out uh, Kim, uh, Saul's girlfriend, and what was uh, motivating her, and why was she joining him in his criminal enterprises? And then as the show uh, goes on, you see the effect on her, and and they reveal, you know, where it leads her, which is not anything like you expect. And then there's there's a real twist in there where it's a twist of conscience. Right. which you don't expect. And she has a scene in the next to the last episode that may win her uh, an Emmy and probably should. So uh, uh, I was confused because of the timeline of before and after Breaking Bad. I really liked the finale of Breaking Bad where Walter White confesses. This is my confession. I did it because it felt good. <laughs> right. <laughs> Arch, it's funny. I went back down after I watched the the, the dramatic final fifteen minutes of Better Call Saul, having not watched the show, <laughs> having not watched the show, and they're all chanting Better Call Saul. And, but, and I did like the last shot where it kind of rounds a corner. We won't say where, yeah, but uh, it, yeah. it's all gone. Uh, kind of become visual uh -huh. in that moment. But um, I went down the so rabbit cool. hole of um, of. Uh, and on YouTube and found Mike. Remember Mike's death in Breaking Bad on the oh on the, yeah out at yeah. the sunrise yeah. and yeah. Walter comes up and Mike goes Shut the f up. Let me die in peace. <laughs> what was I bring that up because I want to ask what was Mike's? Uh, how does Mike factor into Better Call Saul? Because he John Jonathan the actor comes back. Well, he's a fixer and uh, they require his services uh, several times, including. A spe the spectacular death of a character that oh. you do not expect. And the character winds up uh, buried in the cement under the underground lab that the Germans are building oh. for uh, Gus. You know, the other character who's also uh, prominent is uh, uh, Los Hermanos Chicken. Yeah, Los Hoyos Hermanos. Hoyos Hermanos. He's he's very prominent in uh, Better Call Saul too. Oh, Giancarlo so, Giancarlo Esposito is awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what a yeah. great actors. And uh, since you two aren't fans, I will just mention the other surprise toward the end was that Carol Burnett has a, a little uh, character arc, which nobody uh, expects and was uh, quite interesting. Is it a pastrami day? Yeah, uh, one and a quarter pounds. You got it. Not a pound and a half, you overshot last time. Is she wearing a curtain rod? At <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's playing the whole thing straight. As long as she does the Tarzan yell, I'm, I'm, I'm down for it. <laughs> Yeah, and tugs on her ear. Yeah, look, look at Arch. He's like, I'm gonna talk about the finale of Better Call Saul. <laughs> Oliver and I are like, we haven't, we didn't watch it. <laughs> yeah, bring in Mrs. Howiggins, please. And you know what? I don't. I really don't know why. Because uh, I Breaking Bad, is, I would put up as one of my favorite shows of all time. Mm -hmm. I guess it would almost be like if someone. I mean, I feel like I watched that and Mad Men sort of around the same time, and they're all timers right. to me. And if, if it's almost like if someone said, "Hey, 
you know, we're going to do a whole prequel of, of, of a side character in Mad Men. I don't know why. I could never just get myself on to watch it, although I know I would like it because Vince Gilligan's brilliant. Yeah. Well, for me, um, for me, Jason, it was I, I felt that Breaking Bad was so well contained. Uh, and, you know, I didn't need anything more. And, and, and it just seemed uh, particularly the statement that it had to make about it, the American healthcare system at the time that it made it, uh, I think, uh, yeah. was so complete, you know, and you got to remember that show ended right as Obamacare passed. Right. And that and that 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 show kind of um, encapsulated that period of anxiety before we had uh, a lot of choices outside of our jobs regarding health care. Yeah. And I think that that um, that arc, you know, sort of spoke to me in a complete way. And I didn't need to continue that conversation. And that's a good point, Oliver, uh, the arc and the self-contained nature of it, which I, I miss in a lot of stuff today because uh, we interviewed, when was it? Oh, Vince Gilligan and Brian Cranston yeah. and Paul, they uh -huh. all came and donated a bunch of props and costumes like, right. you know, uh, yeah. to the Smithsonian a couple years ago. And Vin, we were, I was talking to Vince Gilligan about that. And he said that, you know, AMC, once it became a hit around, you know, maybe season three or something, people really, it blew up. Um, he said the, the networks, AMC was like, you know, really wanted them to like, let's draw this out. Let's add more seasons. And Vince Gilligan was like, no, I really want to stick to like, I guess, what was it? Five seasons, something like that. Six, yeah. Six. Yeah. And, and turned um, out to be seven. Yeah. And it yeah. was a, uh, he said he wanted the Walter White's arc to be from Mr. Chips to Scarface by the uh, end. <laughs> so, well, so maybe I should insert here. What are you two guys watching? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, as I was mentioning earlier, the, the middle of August is the high season for people who like bad movies. Mm -hmm. uh, this, is a, this is a time where you uh, do not see the Oscar bait, where you go see the trashiest film that you can see. Right now, the number one film on Netflix is a flick called uh, Day Shift with Jamie Foxx playing a pool cleaner turned um, who's trying to join a vampire killers union. Um, <laughs> Tonight, I'm going to uh, the AMC theaters to see a movie called um, Beast, where Idris Elba fights some <laughs> super smart uh, yes. lion pride yes. or something like that. Yes. So, yeah. so this is a time that I implore everyone to find the silliest, crappiest stuff that they can possibly get their eyeballs on and simply in enjoy it. Uh, of course, it's harder these days because uh, with a film like Day Shift, which is, you know, a perfectly fine bad movie, but it mm -hmm. doesn't really mm -hmm. shock or delight in a way that a classic Grindhouse movie does. And, and I wonder whether or not these streaming services and places like Netflix are really a satisfying place to watch trashy films, you know, because I think they kind of have to be a little bit middle of the road, you know what I mean? And, and so yeah. I, I, I worry that the, that the bad movies we're getting are not quite, uh, you know, bad enough. Yeah, Oliver, I, I've, I, I'm glad you mentioned Day Shift on Netflix because I watched it and reviewed it as well. And, uh, you know, you at first it seems like a pretty cool premise. I, you know, I'm a big Jamie Foxx fan. He can do just about anything. Um, but, you know, you got the pool cleaner hunting the vampire, selling the fangs on the black market, you know, with right. Snoop Dogg. And Snoop Dogg and <laughs> Dave Franco is really funny. He keeps peeing himself. Everybody pisses himself the first time. Really? Yeah. Did yeah. you? No I, no, no, I didn't. But, but listen, you did. In the end, it was like, 
about like a third of the way through or halfway through, there was just so many scenes of Fox and Franco, like exposition, explaining all the different uh, rules of magic regarding the different species of vampires. They're, they were, they're like uber vamps, zombie vamps, familiars, uh, yeah. juvies. And there's, and each one is, you know, some you burn, but some you kill with um uh like uh i don't even remember there's a special kind of wood from africa or something <laughs> a sil- and a sil- a, you decapitate them with silver thread like uh it was like so much ideas jam-packed in there where i i almost would have would have liked a more of a, a straightforward approach and I, I was like i just wanted to watch jamie fox kill vampires this is too, yeah. too complex <laughs> yeah they just uh, nah. they, they overfilled the thing yeah i got a movie i want to bring up and I, wa- and I want to bring up a behavioral thing, too. I am starting to go back to theaters for matinees. And uh, I have gone to several matinees where it's me and four or five other people. And, and I'm beginning to feel like that is safe during the week. Lou saw a trailer for a movie called Vengeance. Have you guys heard yeah. of it? Have you I, seen yeah. it at all? Uh, isn't it? I reviewed it. You, uh, it's uh, B.J. Novak, right? From The and, Office. Uh, he's yeah. a, a New York City podcaster who's drawn out to West Texas when someone says your girlfriend died. And he goes and they talk him into doing a true crime podcast. And I just, I liked it. Lou, Lou and I went to the uh, AMC theater together. Right, right Lou? Yep, we did. <laughs> So I have you to thank for this. I don't know about and that. And I told everybody I know about it. I love it. And it's it's on like one or two screens. I've got a feeling it will be streaming soon. Oliver, tell me about your review of Vengeance. Well, I, I feel like this speaks to the Texan in you, Art. <laughs> well, uh, yes, yeah. it does. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, because because this movie is is very much about, um, a, it's a fish out of water story about mm-hmm, Texas. Mm-hmm. And um. And it's meant to send up um, our, you know, uh, the way that the media uh, tells stories, especially about traumatic events in the lives of of marginalized people. And it it sort of uh, uh, comments on it. I kind of felt that it was sort of having its cake and eating it it too. It was sort of it was falling victim to the same types of things it was trying to send up. But that said, you know. Um, B.J. Novak has a very specific voice uh, as a writer, and and you can see it also developing as a director. Uh, that it was um, it was a movie worth seeing, uh, definitely. I didn't quite like it as much as you did, Arch. But then, well, yeah, um, and I am have, a native Texan, and, well, and I don't it have is Texan full in my soul the way you do. <laughs> it is full of uh, Texas in jokes, yes. and uh, they uh, they imply that uh, it takes place in Marfa in far mm. West Texas or Alpine, mm. uh, a place I go very often when I can. Uh, however, uh, Lou and I stayed for the credits and they shot it in New Mexico. Hey, <laughs> yeah, the, the nerve, the nerve, really. <laughs> but that's okay. I just, I, I thought it was one of those little movies like all of us like. And I've got a second one of those that I saw uh, yesterday, Emily the Criminal with yeah. Aubrey Plaza. How was uh, it, Arch? I wanted to go out and see it last night. Oh, how, uh, did you like it? I loved it. I loved it, and I love her. It's 90 minutes. The setup is very simple. She's, uh, she's an art school dropout 
She's got student uh, loans. She can't even keep up with the uh, interest on them. Uh, the only job she can get is uh, a, a food, you know, a Grubhub delivery person because uh, she had an abusive boyfriend and uh, he hauled her to court uh, and got her convicted of a felony because evidently she shot him or something. <laughs> and she is fearless. She is. Uh, she she gets a chance to get involved in the uh, credit card uh, fraud scheme to uh, buy televisions and computers and later luxury cars and uh, sell them on the black market. And uh, a romance uh, occurs, and she gets deeper and deeper into this criminal enterprise. And as she goes deeper and deeper, she gets tougher and tougher you make that much selling tvs sometimes tvs sometimes other things you know what my mistake really was i didn't go far enough it took my breath away i love fantastic huh? that movie of course was out of sundance this year and uh it, it's always interesting when these kind of sort of independent genre type pictures uh come right. out of uh, of sundance and, and and keeping your eyes on them uh, but uh, I'm, that sounds right up my alley, Arch, and I'm still glad that you went. Uh, here, I, I walked away thinking, she doesn't need a cape and tights <laughs> to scare the hell out of you. She, she is, it's, uh, she's fearless. And, and there are some, uh, uh, the way, the conclusion it roars into will just leave your head spinning. Oh, that's so we're talking about the summer movie season now. And, you know, what do you guys think? What kind of a summer movie season have we had? I think it's interesting. Um, I mean, we've we've seen big ones like, you know, Top Gun, etc. Uh, uh, Top Gun Park. seems to be the one. Right. But ironically, <sighs> one of my favorites was one that probably would have gone to the theater. It's a it's a franchise sequel, uh, action horror kind of a thing. Uh, the the Predator prequel, Prey. Um <laughs> It was a 20th, I guess it was 20th Century Studios, but then it got bought up by, you know, it got in the consolidation and everything. It, they they dumped it out on Hulu. And I totally was not, you know, my wife's a huge fan of the Predator movies, but I, yeah, I've been yeah. more of an alien guy. I was never really so much into the Predator. So I went in skeptical because, you know, they've done so many at this point. But I got to say, I think this one, it's called Prey on Hulu. I think it's the best one still. Since the 1987 original with um with the two governors uh, Jesse Ventura and Arnold Schwarzenegger, um it sort of uh, it drops the predator into like uh, like 300 years ago into the wilderness uh, with native with Native Americans. So you oh, get great young 25 year old uh, Amber Mid Thunder. Um, she's a member of the Fort Fort, Fort Peck Sioux tribe in real life. Um, but she's battling this alien creature. So it's sort of like the primitive weapons versus the futuristic weapons. There's something out there. I'm coming with you. You can't. I'm trying to protect you. Protect me from what? Whatever did this, I can kill it. I just thought they did a really good job. And by the way, it's one of the first films, it might be the first film released with on Hulu with the Comanche language audio oh. uh, option. <laughs> It's the guy that made ten. <laughs> the guy that made ten Cloverfield Lane. But I just, I don't know the way the way that they do it. it it's um lots of cool shots ab above where you're just seeing the grass moving. You're not really seeing the creature so much. It, you see its POV with like the thermal imaging, but you really don't see it much, like like a Jaws or an alien. So I'm pleasantly surprised by Prey. You know, when I saw the trailer for Prey, it reminded me of Beast 
or maybe the other way around. When right. I saw the trailer yeah. for Beast, I thought, well, they've already, they made that this year. Pray. It well, just it, it's interesting that you um, bring that up because it seems as though, you know, since Disney acquired Fox, they don't know what to do with a movie like that. You know, uh, and you're right. That movie should not be released on television right away. You know, it, uh, it's meant to be a shared experience, you yeah. know, and uh, it, it's, you know, especially a movie like that, that kind of mixes both um, uh, big uh, genre sort of tentpole uh, sequelitis with kind of an independent spirit and independent. Mm -hmm. So mo movie theaters are made for movies like that. And uh, mm -hmm. the fact that our, um, you know, the corporate uh, amalgamation that we're facing and the corporate al alignment just really doesn't allow for even a movie like that to be released in movie theaters is a little sad. So, and, and I think speaks to kind of this weird sort of feeling that we've had at the movies this summer where we sort of feel like we're back, but we kind of feel like we don't, you know, we're sort of in and out. We're not quite sure if we're comfortable going, we're not quite sure, but they're sort of, they're sort of told us that we should be. And, and I think, so I think it's been a purgatory summer season of of movies, <laughs> you know, where we're just we're just not quite all the way there but they're sort of treating us like we should be uh i don't know if you guys feel the same way but the fact that art you you know you're willing to go to the movies but only on noon on tuesdays <laughs> yes actually so i think kind of speaks to it you know now the world knows where i am noon on tuesday. <laughs> they don't the know super which theater. senior super senior citizen discount <laughs> i might add I'm right on your scale for that one, Arch. <laughs> Do you go to AMC theaters? Is AMC on the West Coast? Yes, that's where I'm going tonight. And um, and the big um, one of the big uh, old Arc ArcLight theaters that was in Culver City was recently purchased by Amazon, which is right oh, next door. Yeah. Uh, and they're they're um they're going to turn that into a big um sort of presentation palace mm. for their for their films. And they're they're they are um. Uh, setting up the uh, publicity for uh, the new Lord of the Rings series there now. Um, well, what's the name of the theater? Uh, I, I don't know what they're going to call it. It was oh. the Arclight Culver City. Um, and, uh, oh, and of it's, course, it's... the Cinerama Dome uh, is supposed to be opening soon. So, so here in L.A., hmm. we're starting to get back slowly. But again, it's going to be different. It's going to feel a little bit more like the olden days when the studios owned the theaters, uh, you mm -hmm. know, and that's what it's starting to yeah. line up to here, you know. Um, uh, Have you so seen that Nicole Kidman thing they're running after 30 minutes of previews? Have you seen that? <laughs> I haven't. I've only gone to the movie theaters to see screenings. I haven't actually gone to see a regular movie like you regular folks. Uh, and, and they don't uh, they don't run the AMC. There's an AMC promo and Nicole Kidman is walking around. Have you seen this thing, Jason? It's I've heard about it on online. I haven't set. She's walking in around in this silver threaded glittery uh, outfit as if she was going to the Oscars and she walks in. We come to this place for magic. We come to AMC theaters to laugh, to cry, to care, because we need that, all of us. Here is the place where the magic happens. Even, mm. even heartbreak <laughs> doesn't feel so bad in here. And I'm looking around at my, my AMC theater and I think, what are you talking about? It smells like weak old popcorn. <laughs> I think somebody puked over in the corner, Nicole. 
and she's ah it's the big silver screen <laughs> arch just, they should have you on to read exactly what you just said <laughs> I, have to say, I will never forget for the rest of my life arch's impersonation of nicole kidman it was excellent <laughs> i only wore i only wish you wore the dress arch go go online and see if you can i it's too much for me jen cheney made me go see nope she mm -hmm. shamed me into it. That's what I was trying to think of. Jen Cheney shamed me. It was one of these things. Have you seen? Nope. Well, nope. I have. So, and I didn't like it. Yeah. yeah I, 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 I didn't like it either, Arch. But, you know, it's interesting, though. That's a movie that has been far more fun to think about and talk about than it was to yeah. watch. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a really good movie to discuss. And, uh, and I think that, that uh, there's something to be said for that. You know, sometimes movies are right. meant to live outside of the movie theater. And I think that's one of those, that's one of those movies. I, haven't, I didn't enjoy watching it. I love thinking about it. Well, yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge Jordan Peele fan. Like, I, um, I still think that Get Out is, might be my favorite mm -hmm. movie of the last, like, That's decade. his masterpiece. It's, yeah. a mas it's a masterpiece, and it's one of those that was riveting on first watch. I'm, I watched it today after covering the Oscars, so I'm in L.A. Uh, with my buddy uh, Thomas, who used to work at TLP, oh, and we stagger wow. in this theater, and, you know, I'm just expecting, like, <laughs> February fun. And I was yeah. blown when he when he starts uh -huh. He, he picks the the upholstery to escape i'm like uh, oh my god he's pick, he's picking cotton to escape <laughs> like i'm i'm realizing all of this stuff and the american flag wardrobe etc so i mean it's one of those that repays on repeat viewing uh viewings and i absolutely love get out us us i thought was um riveting until like the last um third maybe and then yeah. it, and then it kind of lost me a little bit um but i mean i'm sure i'd go back it's a, it's a great idea i just don't know if it's executed well so how would you guys i compare it to m night Shyamalan a lot like six cents is uh -huh. get out exactly, their exactly what i'm thinking so exactly. where does this where does nope rank against um signs and and where does us rank against unbreakable <laughs> you know i i think uh what what i enjoyed one of the things i really enjoyed about this movie uh or at least thinking about it in, in terms of this movie was thinking about below the line life in yeah. in hollywood you know right, uh, right. and and what it means to uh, work as a craft person uh, on 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 many on many different levels, and it had a different mm -hmm. thing, a, a different group of things to say about what it means to be below the line, uh, and even geographically, you know, in the in the Los Angeles uh, region. This this movie takes place in a ranch in Agua Dulce, sort of outside of uh, of L.A. Uh, and um, so, you know. As as someone who lives in Los Angeles, who is fascinated with the way that Los Angeles is depicted in in, in movies, that that gave it an extra uh, sort of kick or or a reason of interest. But the fact of the matter is, Jen was right to shame you, Arch. You know, regardless of whether or not you like the movie, <laughs> yes, uh, I was know, this shamed. Is, this is stuff you kind of have to see. You right, know, well, here's what I'm going to say: uh, Get Out was completely accessible. It immediately yeah. pulled you in. Uh, nope, uh, you are absolutely correct. You have to think about how the there's three different storylines in there that come together. Bro, what'd you see? Something above the clouds. That's big. How big? Big. You think whatever killed Pops is out there? A cloud. He moved an inch. It's aliens. They're just waiting for the perfect time to shove metal probes up our asses. I'll be rooting for you. And so, so you know, there we are.
I well, either know. way, criticisms or, or praises aside, like I just think it's cool that there is, you know, like a modern horror auteur filmmaker that everyone, mm -hmm. it's like mm -hmm. appointment viewing that people go see. Like we mentioned Shyamalan and then we mentioned, I guess, you know, Hitchcock of course had it. Right. But yeah. I also, I also, when I see these Twitter comparisons, I, I mean, I, I appreciate it. I just did it. I just compared, but um, <laughs> I, I do think that sometimes it's like, can it just be not the next Hitchcock or the next Shyamalan? Can it be just the first Jordan Peele? You know what I mean? So. Well, so, I think that this movie is more in a in a Spielberg uh, mode. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. You know that uh, that that it's riffing on Spielberg uh, in a um in a pretty profound way and sort of what Spielberg means. Uh, I'm not sure. You know, it's a riff on what it means to look up those eyes. You know, that Spielberg look that we all know. Uh, and it's a and it's a riff on that idea in a, in an interesting way. And um, close and, encounters of the peel kind. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. You'll appeal Speaking of agree. which, uh, they're about to uh, re-release uh, Jaws in uh, 3D in the beginning of um, September. Uh, right. so the original, not Jaws, not Jaws 3D, right? Not the no, third no, one. Not the Jaws 3D, <laughs> no. Uh, I hate, I, I mean, you're, you're preaching to the choir on that one. I mean, yeah. I think that might be the quintessential summer blockbuster. I, I think it still holds up, shark and all. We have many things to talk about, uh, about uh, uh, personalities who have uh, left the planet. And so uh, let's take a quick break for Hound Radio, which makes this podcast possible. And then uh, we need to talk about some important people. Now, I have to ask Oliver, do you have, are you a dog fan? Do you have dogs at home? I have three. Three dogs. So you, yes. so you One out for you, each of us. You out, you, and you outdo Jason by by what two, right? Jason, you have one. Yeah, you, I got one. He's got a three dog night. <laughs> yeah. Well, the reason, guys, I bring this up because Hound Radio is promoting a very special event, and I want you to check it out. Hound Radio has a soft spot for Brood, short for Bassett Rescue of Old Dominion. Well, it's our 26th year of rescue this year. Brood President Chris Williams, and they're having another Brood Bassett Ramble. Having it at a frying pan park again in Herndon, and it's Saturday, September 17th, 10 to 2. This fun event has something for everybody. We're going to have our usual um, famous Bassett 500 race and the famous Bassett pie eating contest. The Brood Ramble is a rain or shine event. So anybody can come with their dog. It's free. There's no admission. We have lots of tents. Uh, we'll have lunch served and uh, raffle baskets. We have a live auction and a silent auction. Our goal is to raise at $50,000. So, so it is a significant fundraiser for us. And, you know, and it is our main event of the year. Sniff out more details at houndradio.com. Don't miss the annual Brood Ramble with your fur-loving, mouth-foaming, drool-spraying friends. A Bassett is an asset. At Hound Radio. First of all, uh, most recently, I was uh, very sad to read about the death of Wolfgang Peterson, uh, 81 years old. And uh, I just want to start the discussion by saying I can't think of another foreign film that had quite the impact as uh, Das Boot. Uh, and I just, I fondly remember uh, the opening of that film and, uh, and the impact it had in DC. And yeah. what are your thoughts about Wolfgang Peterson, 81 years old, great director? I mean, Das Boot is uh, mm -hmm. is is a masterpiece. I mean, I, th I think it's it's the greatest submarine movie ever. I mean, yeah, and uh -huh. if you had 
uh, Hunt for Red October and Crimson Tide and all those other ones come after it, and they were great too. But, man, nothing nothing tops Das Boot. The way Peterson just – it's that masterful claustrophobia, that tension that the whole time you're under that sub. And I know it's – it's what it's probably pushing three hours, whatever director's cut I watched. Yeah. But, uh, but it doesn't feel like, like it. It doesn't feel like a camera for him to, to film that. They did they invent the steady cam for Das Boot? Well, the steady cam came earlier in like 76 because they used that mm -hmm. going up the rocky steps. And I guess I think Bound for Glory and a couple other movies around then. And, and yeah, and like The Shining used it in the hallways before Das Boot. But, um, but it, it's a masterpiece. Um, and I, Oliver, I don't know what you think of Das Boot, but I also wanted to give a shout out to like In the Line of Fire, Air Force One, The Perfect Storm. Like he went on to do some Hollywood uh, blockbusters too. But man, if you haven't seen Das Boot, everyone go watch it. It's awesome. Yeah. Again, it speaks to an earlier time where these great uh, uh, technicians and stylists came from Europe and, and sort of defined uh, a Hollywood spectacle in, uh, in, in a new way. And I think that he sort of speaks to that to, to that period. Uh, he made he he had a type of visceral intelligence uh, to even his cheesy Hollywood cheesier Hollywood films. Uh, but I'm so glad that you brought up what a sensation Das Boot was in the city because I re I recall that too. Uh, yeah. I don't know if it was because it was a military town or what the what why it was such a big impact. Uh, but it really uh, you felt it in D.C. at the time. I recall that. And Lou, Lou, I want you to put in the Das Boot theme under this because it's awesome. <laughs> Glad to do it. You got it. The uh, uh, one of the obits I read said uh, when they premiered it, uh, it starts by uh, uh, a credit telling you how many uh, Nazi uh, uh, sailors died in World War II, and at the time the audience applauded. And then by the end of it, they got it that it wasn't about us versus them. It was about yeah. young people dying in a war that uh, they had no choice about. Did you uh, guys know that Das Boot became a bit of a complete misnomer, uh, a drinking game in, on college campuses <laughs> where they fill up a boot-shaped no. thing and you, ch you no. chug the beer out of no. a boot-shaped thing? So there's a whole <laughs> corrupted generation <laughs> that doesn't even know the movie, but they got to go watch it. It's the boat. <laughs> and what he did for Harrison Ford in Air Force One, yeah. you know, yeah. What was the line? Get off my plane. <laughs> uh, let's talk about Anne Heche because uh, there's uh, a lot of thoughts about her. 53 years old and had a terrible uh, death. And uh, what, are your, what are your thoughts on her career? A, a couple of thoughts. I mean, there was something, somehow she was an actor who just did not fit any box. You know, mm -hmm. she was uh, flinty and tough, but incredibly vulnerable. She seemed focused, but also sort of shattered inside. You know, it was very hard to sort of pin her down in some kind, in, in some way that kind of made her presence both alluring and a little uncomfortable, you know, uh, on the screen. Um, I, I will say that here in, in Los Angeles, um, this death lands a little bit differently, right? Uh, uh, two days before she crashed her car into a house in Mar Vista, uh, a woman, uh, a registered nurse, drove through a, a crowded um, intersection at 90 miles per hour and killed five, uh, not, not too far away from where Anne Hesh's accident was. Mm. So so you just kind of feel this um, this weird crackling yeah. energy regarding cars and driving and, and, and mental health. 
uh, that 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 puts a different kind of context on her death. That's dip, that's that goes beyond what she meant to us as an actor. And I think we need to say that her relationship with Ellen, Ellen, Ellen. overpowered almost her entire career. Uh, no matter how you feel about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's easy to take for granted that era now. But you look back when Ellen Ellen came out and said, "I'm gay" on her show. I mean, that was massive, seismic. Yeah. And, and let's get on to Olivia Newton-John, which made many people very sad. Yeah, I mean, well, I, I mean, uh, I always think Greece would, I would say, is the most beloved musical of the '70s. I mean, Cabaret, all that jazz, or the, you know, the acclaimed. They got more acclaimed, but Greece is like the pop culture favorite. And you think of all those songs, "Summer Nights," and "You're the One That I Want," and "Hopelessly Devoted," probably the most singable. <laughs> um, that's a big one. Hopelessly devoted you know it's the it's the ultimate end of summer musical and you know right. her uh, her passing happened in the in the end of summer so it's a it's a moment uh, where we we look back on uh, on our summer loving summer loving had me a blast summer loving happened so fast and uh, and kind of uh, uh, reflect and 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 feel nostalgic anyway august is a nostalgic month right uh, and um so I also think that, um, you know, the, the, she was really, for us Gen Xers, you know, she was just such, she was such an important crush figure and, 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 and also a dynamic figure in terms of um, aerobics and roller skating and all sorts of things that feel so connected to our childhood and kind of lost to us now. Uh, yeah, so, let me bring up Xanadu real quick. She got knocked for that, but you know, maybe that wasn't fair. Roller skated pretty well in that. Yeah. <laughs> and I, one last uh, person to mention, uh, Pat Carroll. I don't know what you think about Pat Carroll. She had a wonderful connection to Washington uh, because she uh, so often uh, emceed the Helen Hayes Awards, mm -hmm. uh, but best known as Ursula in uh, The Little Mermaid. Poor unfortunate souls in pain, in need. This one longing to be thinner, that one wants to get the girl, and do I help them? Yes, indeed. Uh, and actually, a figure from the early days of television. Oh, such a such a great one of the great Ursula, one of the great Disney villains ever. Yeah. You know, what <laughs> some jets, some now I got her, boys. The boss is on a roll. But um, it's perfect also, for her. I also loved her as the grandma in the Garfield Christmas special. Remember, uh -huh. she like uh -huh. gets the old letters from Grandpa, and you know. <laughs> Garfield gives Odie the little back scratcher rake, and uh, yeah, she could do the wholesome grandma and the the evil octopus. <laughs> it, famously, uh, Ursula's uh, character design was based off of Divine, uh, and uh. was inspired by Divine. <laughs> uh, well, she would love that too. She was yeah. very accessible. Uh, so uh, we're running; the clock is running. Uh, what are we uh, recommending this weekend, Oliver? Well, I'm hoping that the beast is going to be worth its weight in super intelligent killer lions. Uh, so, uh, and I'll let you know. I'll let you know tomorrow. Okay, Jason, how about you? For a movie, I'd say check out Prey on Hulu, and then for TV shows, check out The Bear about the the sandwich shop in Chicago on Hulu. Or I'm also really enjoying. I just watched it for a second time, and uh, and oh, I've did. never done that before. So, oh uh, wow. 
Yeah, it, there's a lot of shouting in the first couple episodes, but stick with it because the last two episodes, there's a single take that's so tense. And then the last episode has a great twist that makes you want to go back and look at like the mise-en-scene of certain things in the background. <laughs> and I'm going with Emily the Criminal because I love Aubrey Plaza. I think she is terrific. And uh, we'll be back in two weeks. That's correct, Arch. Back in a couple of weeks. And we do want to thank WTOP Radio Entertainment Editor Jason Fraley for joining us. And also a special thank you to Oliver Jones, the D.C. native who's busy out in Los Angeles, being a film critic for Observer.com, correspondent for People Magazine, even a film professor at Emerson College. Thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. This is the Cats Podcasting System, where it's not just a podcast, but a pod cats.